0: You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for living a fulfilled life, creating a thriving family, and conquering the challenges of today. I'm Kate.
1: And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples and professionals we trust to help you create the strong marriage you desire and deserve.
0: Welcome to The One Relationship. My name is Kate, and today I have a wonderful guest I am so excited to bring on. I really, really resonate so much with, with what is being shared here with Lisa Smith. She is the peaceful parent, transforming frustrated parents who regularly default to yelling, threatening, and punishing into peaceful leaders with their households. Oh, that sounds so exciting and inviting. <laughs> uh, Lisa is a parent coach, speaker, author, and host of the weekly podcast, Real World Peaceful Parenting. Her signature program helps parents stop the struggle, calm the chaos, and create the connection. And as a former dominant parent, Lisa knows the transformative power of peaceful parenting firsthand and is committed to helping families worldwide. The com is her site. And welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Okay, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here today.
0: Yeah, I uh, listening to some of your podcast episodes and just you know reading through your website and 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 looking at what you offer. I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, this really has come at a great time in our parenting journey, my parenting journey, um, to to be um, connected with you and to meet you. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you know, as i referenced, you were that former dominant parent. And I think sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm not, I think I know I'm catching myself being that dominant parent. So tell our audience, like, where did it all start? You know, how did you recognize, like, this is what I'm doing. And I want to make that change.
1: Yes, well, I grew up in a a pretty dominant household. I like to jokingly but truthfully say, if yelling were an Olympic sport, I would come from a dynasty of gold medalists. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because growing up, I said, and sometimes I have to grab a tissue at this point. I said that if I ever had a child, I would not treat them the way I was treated. You know, which felt like be seen and not heard, no voice, my feelings didn't matter, no one cared what I thought. I was, you know, told how to behave, controlled, dominated into good behavior. Right. So 14 years into my marriage, I was a really successful executive, Um, you know, had this amazing life. I I managed, I motivated, I directed people. I got along well with people. There wasn't a lot of yelling. I had a really, you know, wonderful marriage. And then we decided to have a child and my full contact sport child came, you know, launched into the world, strong-willed from... You know, he wouldn't even come out. We had to go get him. (laughs) You know, that's how strong willed he was. And very quickly, I found myself doing the things that I said I wouldn't do. You know, I was yelling and my turning point came. Uh, My son was about five, and I'll never forget the day I was yelling at him over something, you know, bath time, homework, something. It doesn't matter because it was a regular occurrence. I was yelling at him and he was yelling at me because he's strong willed. And I was yelling at him for yelling at me. And at the same time, I'm thinking, who taught him this? Where'd he learn this? And this voice came in the room and said, you, you're teaching him to be angry and reactive.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, at that moment, I just said, something's got to change. you know. And I would wake up every morning, I would say, today's the day I'm not going to yell, like a diet. You know, I'm not going to eat <laughs> carbs and I'm not going to yell. Right. You know, this was the early 2000s. And by five o'clock, I was yelling, drinking Chardonnay or both. And what I learned is that, you know, we, we often fall into patterns of parenting the way we were parented, not because we're broken or bad or missing the mom or dad gene, or it's the neural pathways in our brain. Right. You know, it's, it's how we're taught, modeled to react in times of stress. Yeah, And then parenting is stressful in this day and age, even without, you know, the current climate, parenting is stressful. And we tend to go to what was modeled for us, unless we do the work, and that's what I had to learn. I had to learn how to do, how to go in, and I think of neural pathways as like ski tracks in your brain, with deep grooves. Yeah. And so, what I help parents do is fill in those old tracks, pack in snow, get it really packed in tight, and create new ski tracks, which is a new response to the stress of parenting.
0: Wow, it's such a great visual, and mm. and so important uh, to really think about that as we are parenting, this is, this is learned, this is learned. And it doesn't, and to recognize that it doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you, you know, as you said, broken. It's just that this is what you learned. Right. And it's also really what makes marriage so challenging, right? Because, uh, you know, husband, wife come together and you've learned and have been raised different ways. And now you're trying to blend it all into one household. And, and so that, that puts, you know, weight and stress on, on the marriage. And then of course, adding the children into it, you know, adds, adds
1: even more. Absolutely. And I, I know that you and Tanner talk a lot about marriage and you know, what's interesting about it is you can date, you can predict what the marriage is going to look like. You can live together, you can, but you can't really predict the parent your partner is going to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can get a dog and sort of play with it or get a little close but it's, you know, the concept is called Ghosts in the Nursery. When you bring that child home from the hospital, you know, there's your hopes and dreams of for the child, there's the child, but then there's also sometimes all of your childhood that comes back into the room. And for a lot of us, we're healing that while we're raising our children right alongside us. And so it it can be complicated. And this is why the work you're doing in the world and, you know, your podcast and my podcast it helps. It brings in awareness. It gives us questions to ask ourselves and it helps the healing process along the way.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. So powerful to realize it it is because I mean, we really are healing so much and working through things, um, as we are, uh, working to deepen and stay connected with our spouse and, uh, also, you know, parent for, for those who are, who are parents. Um, you, so I want to talk about a, Few topics that you touch on and that you teach and, and share with your clients and and also within your podcast. Um, the first thing is understanding that our children uh, are really their main objective is to get their needs met, mm. and so they've got you know they've got all these emotions really to be able to learn how to hold space for their emotions that they they have. They are people too. Um, but that it's, it's coming out in a certain way, a certain emotion because their needs want to be met. So help, help the parent to, to be able to say, okay, well, how do I handle this? Like, what do, what do I do? You know, they're, they're reacting certain different ways. Like, what do I do with this?
1: I love this question. I love it. <laughs> it's so well asked too. Thank you. You know, I didn't know this until I learned it. I don't know what I thought, but I, I learned that all children at all times are just trying to get their needs met. You know, it's, it's really all humans, but we focus on children in my world. So all kids at all times, and I'm not talking about ice cream for breakfast or unlimited gaming, right? We're talking core basic needs, Mm -hmm. affection, autonomy, attention, acceptance, connection, right? And so what happens is when, when, a, when your child's needs are not being met, maybe they need more autonomy. Maybe they need more attention. Maybe they need more affection in their love language. Maybe they need to know they're accepted as they are. You know, uh, strengths and weaknesses all together. Right? They, they feel accepted. When, when a child's needs are not being met, feelings start to bubble up. As a side note, when a child's feelings are being met, are being met feelings bubble up as well. We just like those feelings, so we don't focus (laughs) on it, right? (laughs) Right. If your child is, you know, you're at a restaurant and your child is, you know, um, eating mac and cheese and watching a movie on their phone, their needs are being met. Their feelings are contentment and good, right? And we're not focused on that. So back to a child's needs are not being met. The feelings start to bubble up. And then when the feelings fill up the volcano and they, the lava starts to spew out of the top, we get, quote, bad behavior, mm-hmm. right? We get the yep. meltdowns, the storming, whether it's right. crying, yelling, eye rolling, slamming doors, kicking, fighting with siblings. And what most of us parents are doing is we're, we're what I call snorkeling, right? We're staying on the top of the surface and we're focusing only on the behavior. Yeah. What I know to be true at this point, after working with thousands of parents around the world, is that if you scuba dive down to the feelings and needs, if you get curious, right? I I use the phrase curious, not furious. If you get curious, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. I wonder, I wonder, you know, I wonder why this is happening. Let me ask a few questions. And you scuba dive down and you take care of the feelings and needs, then the behavior will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. And the kid will then learn. How to take care of their feelings and needs, so over time the behavior won't be necessary. Right. So I dream of a generation of parents becoming scuba divers. Yeah. And this isn't to say you have to meet all your kids' needs, right? You you're not going to be able. No human is meant to have their needs met all the time, but it's bringing an awareness to the needs, right? It's it's and it's it's turning on the internal compass in our children, helping them understand where their behavior comes from.
0: So, what would you advise when you're recogni- Okay, so now I'm being curious. I'm recognizing something's going on with my three year old or my 10 year old, right? So, like, and they're at different stages in their development, and something's not, you know, the 10 year old, the preteen, she's talking back, like she's having an attitude. The toddler is having a tantrum, you know, kicking and screaming on the floor. Uh, and I'm recognizing, okay, something's going on here what do I do as the parent? Do I, do I say, you know, because you, you're not going to go to a three year old, what do you need? I don't think that would also work for a 10 year old because the 10 year old is not going to be able to really verbalize that as well. So how do I, how do I start to, uh, get the need met, you know, mm-hmm. provided it's, it's within, within reason, right. You know, right. You know, we're not, we're not, like you said, going to meet necessarily every need, but what, what, what was, what's that step that next step?
1: it's asking the child what was going on for you right before the storm happened, right? What, what, what was happening? And it's asking obviously in an age appropriate language, right? So, so you might ask your three-year-old, you know, let's say uh, you ask your three-year-old to put the shoes on, or you say to your three-year-old, come over here and let me. here's a good example. You have a 10 year old and a one and a half year old, and it's time to leave to go to the grocery store or to grandma's, And you say to your three-year-old, you know, come over here, let me put your shoes on. And the three-year-old starts to have a meltdown. You're like, what is going on? I'm just trying to put their shoes on to get in the car and go somewhere they're really excited to go to, right? And you say to your three-year-old, hey, tell me more. What's going on? And, you know, after the melt, you you let the storm happen, right? You hold space for the storm because you're not going to interrupt the middle of the storm. But afterwards, you say, you know, what? talk to me. And your three-year-old says in that three-year-old voice, I put shoes on myself. And you're like, oh, autonomy. You want to put your own shoes on like big sister. Oh, honey, I understand that. Yes. And then it starts, you, you start to think, oh, okay. This one is trying to be 10, right? Or, or do more independently for themselves, right? And so you start to develop. You know, um, a situation. Now let's take the 10-year-old. Let's say the 10-year-old has a phone or is on an iPad looking, you know, at TikTok. And all of a sudden you say, you know, hey, it's time to put that away. And they have an epic meltdown over it. Epic, you know, and you're like, hey, you know, later you ask them, hey, what was going on for you? You know, when you had that what was going on right before you had that meltdown earlier? Well, I just found out that Susie's mom let her have a TikTok account. Oh, so you feel like you're you're missing out because you know our family rule is you don't get to have a TikTok account. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. tell me more, right? And it isn't that you're going to give in and let them have a TikTok account. Right. But you're understanding that maybe the fear of missing out is kicking in, or they're disappointed, or they're feeling like they can't have what their other friends have. And you just understand it. I hear you, right? Connection is when the other person feels seen, heard, and valued. I love Brene Brown's definition. Yes. I use it all the time, right? Right. Yeah. She's my girl. She, yeah. We're best friends and she doesn't even know me. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, you know, so so your daughter, the 10-year-old now is feeling connected and and you resist the urge to go, oh, I know, I hear you that you want a TikTok account, but you know, you can't have one. We decided you don't do any of that. You just go, yeah, I hear you. I I I get it. I mean cuz we get it. You know, I want to go out and buy 87 new purses, but I'm not going to, right?
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And 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 just and then I think that's also been a great way to open up why we do certain things in our family versus what other families do, right? And helping them understand the family's values and and beliefs, you know, and 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 what what as a family we hold to be true, right? Um so you use the words Storm, and I just want you know our audience to um, just get an idea of what does what does storming mean. So that when we're in you know moments like, what does that look like? So what mm-hmm.
1: what would be um, considered a storm? From a child, great question. I put everything into a big bucket. So storming is is really that behavior, and it looks different at every age and every child. It's that behavior. That happens when the volcano is erupting, right? (laughs) So, so if you think about, at the base of a volcano is unmet needs, and then feelings start to produce. That's the lava, and it builds and builds and builds, Mm -hmm. and then it erupts out the top. So, storming is crying, stomping feet, uh, yelling, door slamming, uh, picking on siblings, back talking. It's it's the whole bucket, and really. And this is a game changer. Storming, most of us parents, many of us take the storming personal, right? She's doing something to me. She's disrespecting me. He's giving me a hard time. He's being defiant. He's being difficult. He's being uncooperative. And the problem with those thoughts are they immediately, you know, that judgment is most likely going to trigger us into our own storm. Mm -hmm. right? And that's where Mm -hmm. when a storming parent meets a storming child, there's going to be an explosion 100% of the time. Yeah. So what I like for parents to do is to move away from judgment and understand that the child isn't giving you a hard time at any age, they're having a hard time, right? I was at a basketball tournament this weekend, my son plays basketball and I, and I, I watched a lot of parents having a hard time, you know, either because their kid is yeah. losing or they're not playing well or there's, you know, we we as adults, we storm a lot too, yeah. right? And we're not, we're not giving someone a hard time, right? If you're at the airport and you're, you know, you're going to go to a conference that you paid for. It's a three-day conference and it's morning of first conference and, you know, the airlines announces that there's been a mechanical difficulty and your flight's been canceled and you're losing it at the ticket counter. You're not... You didn't get up and go, you know what? I'm going to give that customer service agent a hard time, right? Instead, (laughs) we're, we're, we're having a hard time. This conference that I paid for that is non-refundable, that has already started. I'm not going to get to be there day one where my favorite speakers are going to be right. And so you're having a hard time coping with it. It's the same for children. And they're, what they're doing is they're speaking the language of help. Mm -hmm. Help me, help me, please, mommy. Help me, Daddy. I am dysregulated. I am having a hard time, and i I don't know how to ask you calmly for help, or I would have already done that. I don't know how to help myself or I would already do that. This is my flair. this is my s o s if you will. This is how I'm asking you for help and you know I have a very strong willed sixteen year old i've been doing this work since he was about four, and what I can tell you is. When I can get into that mindset and I see his storming as asking for help, it's a complete game changer in our relationship. I show up in a completely different way than if I let my mind go to, oh my God, here we go again. Can you believe it? He is giving me seriously, you know, when I go to that place in the brain, oh, I don't, it's not good for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I,
0: and I go through this with my stepdaughter and, uh, and, the reference that you made of like not taking it personal. I mean, it's a, it's an important thing for me to hear and I'm sure other you know parents listening because uh, you know, one there's a different dynamic with being a step parent versus it's your own child. There's sort of that innate love when, when, when it's your own child. But um, but I, I mean, yeah, I have to be reminded this isn't, this isn't personal. She doesn't know how to do anything. And when you say, you know, or how to respond to it in a, in a proper manner um, or a calm manner, I should say. Um, and, and when you say like, help me, like, they're just saying, help me. I mean, it almost brings me to tears to think like, here's this young child, you know, at, a, at whatever stage they're at, you know, but this child, uh, they're asking for help, like yes. help me. Right. And yes. so it, it's really just a very powerful thing. And, and, and as I was listening to your podcast on this topic uh i yeah i got choked up a little bit like listening to it like that is what they need and what they're asking you'd also elaborate a little bit and I, i'd love for you to share also how their brains are developing so this is this is literally something that they can't actually do because of the development of their brain if you could just maybe elaborate a little bit on that
1: sure yeah the brain is the only organ when we're born that is not fully developed Right. Right. So when, when, when a, when a human is born, you know, the organs like the liver and the kidney and the heart and the spleen, and even the skin is an organ, right? Your skin Mm -hmm. is fully developed. It isn't like half of your body is missing skin unless you have a, you know, a a congenital defect, defect or condition. Right. The brain is severely underdeveloped. It makes sense, right? Because the growth plates cross over and the brain, you know, is big and weighs a lot at fully developed and it needs to come out the birth canal. So the Mm -hmm. brain is underdeveloped and we know now continues to develop until the age of 25, which is mind blowing. I know. When I
0: heard that, I was like, whoa. Right. I mean, I have a 16 year old.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a 16 year old that still has nine years left, you know? Right. Right. And some days he shows it, you know? like (laughs) So, so the other interesting part about the brain is it develops from the bottom back to the top front. Mm-hmm. So the bottom back is where habit lives and that develops first, right? So the brain knows to, or the heart knows to beat and the, the baby learns how to walk and eventually can automatically walk across the room and whatnot. So bottom back to top front and sitting at the top front is executive function, which is, it sits in the prefrontal cortex and executive function allows humans many things, creativity, uh, calm, calm. It allows you to think a couple steps ahead. You can see the whole bigger picture. You can multitask. You need executive function to multitask. You need executive function for motive. So many of the activities we plan as adults, right? I'm sitting here right now talking to you and I might also be thinking, did I take the chicken out of the freezer and I need to remember when I'm done to go put the towels in the dryer. That's executive <laughs> function. And, right. and we people really don't have it Really hear this audience until 25. So many of us are imposing expectations on children that they aren't even capable of.
0: Right. Right. And that's why I'm like, wait, we got to talk about this because this is so powerful.
1: It's so powerful. And especially if, you know, I get up every morning and I go to work and I'm working all day with adults who also have executive function. Then I come home and I forget that my seven or nine or 16 year old isn't multitasking on the regular, can't remember to, you know, brush their teeth at age seven or nine. You know, there's a lot of development yet to go. And then to make the story even juicier, sitting next to executive function is impulse control, right? Which is how I know the universe has a sense of humor, (laughs) right? Because, you know, too bad impulse control couldn't be sitting down in the bottom back, right? Which means that, you know, our children struggle with impulse control and strong-willed kids really, this is really pronounced for them. So- uh, And, and you know, ADHD, like if yes. that's in the
0: thing to, I mean, that's definitely a, a, right. a, a characteristic of
1: totally. ADHD too. Totally. So yeah. So this explains how you can tell your 10 year old, hey, go get your gym clothes, your water bottle and your backpack and I'll meet you in the car. And your 10 year old says, okay. And you think, boom, so you're sitting what? in the car waiting and out comes your 10-year-old with the backpack but not the water bottle. And you're like, "What?" Like a minute ago we just discussed this, but on the way to get the water bottle, a sh- impulse control happened or lack of and a shiny object showed up that completely distracted them and then they forgot the list because they don't have executive function and they come out of the house without the water bottle, right? This is how this happens. Yeah.
0: And you also referenced, um, motive in that. Oh front, yes. Right. And so yeah. that's important to recognize because we, as the parent might take it personally, that this is why they're acting the way they're acting or take, you know, and, and, and having this storm. And so we take it
1: personally, but that would require motive that yes. they actually don't have. Right. And that's part of the yes. development as well. Yes. Yes, yes. They, they're not going to get up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to give her a hard time today. <laughs> right. That's his motive. And you know what? I'm sure there are many, many parents out there with those older kids who are thinking,
0: oh, oh, she's definitely in it for me. You know, and it's yeah, it's, it's not. not actually
1: possible. It's, it's not. Their, their brain isn't developed for that. Um, I, I think just to put a bow on that, I think, you know, if I could gift every parent in the world a, a gift it would be for all of us to stop taking our kids' actions personally. It's a game changer in parenting. If you do nothing else, if one does nothing else, but drops the taking it personally, because then what happens is you show up, you still get to hold hold the same rules and values and intentions and goals, but now you show up from an untriggered neutral place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, I said it earlier, when, when the problem with taking it personally is it follows this path. If I take what you're saying personally, as my child, I'm more likely to get triggered, which puts me in my dysregulated part of my brain. And then I'm going to start storming because I'm building up lava. And when a storming parent meets a storming child, there's going to be an explosion 100% of the time. And what most of us are waiting for is we're waiting for our kids to stop storming. But they have the underdeveloped brain. One of us, in order for an explosion not to happen, one of us has to show up regulated. And the, the the person that has the best chance of showing up regulated is the parent. And the best way, even when your kid is having their worst day, if you're one and a half, three and 10 year old, are all melting down at the same time <laughs> and you want to avoid exploding, the number one step is to not take any of it personally. Yeah. And- this kind of just ties into the next question i had is
0: and you you know you referenced your son being strong-willed and and these you know these storms and colliding and just the the big explosion so uh uh you share with your audience and and if you could share here um those three steps that can really help how you are interacting with the strong-willed child because i i think i just feel like every Family I talked to, like <laughs> they've got at least one in in their household. So, what what would what's the advice and how to approach your strong-willed child so that you can have a more effective um, relationship and communication with them?
1: Yeah, strong-willed kids are are they're amazing <laughs> and they grow up to be incredible adults, but they take a little bit of a different technique to parent yeah. than non-strong-willed kids. And yeah. The number one thing strong-willed kids want is to feel in control. Control is like their oxygen, and it's very, very, very important. And the number one way for strong-willed kids to feel in control is to offer them choices rather than commanding them. When you command a strong-willed kid, you're going to get into a power struggle often. And so choices help them feel in control. And when they feel in control, they want naturally to cooperate. So choices are, you know, things you can live with. Do you want to brush your teeth now or in five minutes? Do you want to wear the red or the blue shirt? Do you want eggs or oatmeal for breakfast, right? We're not offering, what do you want for, this not a diner, right? What do you want for breakfast? Or, you know, we're not the Cheesecake Factory with 87 pages of menu. (laughs) But you do want to offer them a choice and it's always choices you can live with. And you'd be surprised, you know, how little choices Make a difference. You know, do you want to brush your teeth now or in five minutes is an absolute game changer for a strong-willed kid. So choices, choices, choices. The number two um, tip for strong-willed children is to avoid power struggling with them. You don't have to join every argument you're invited to. They, a strong-willed human will not back down when they feel pushed into a corner they will I mean, say,
0: this is they, good this is good advice for adults too right we don't yeah. have to engage in all the arguments that
1: Right we'll and marriages yeah. yeah i mean yeah. Uh, bosses mother-in-laws neighbors coworkers right this is strong-willed humans i married to one and have a, a a child i am one are you okay yeah. so you can yeah. relate to this right yeah. so we and married. i have
0: two ch- i have my, okay. two, two daughters are strong-willed yeah
1: all right so tell me yeah. if this is true yeah that when you feel, Kate, backed into a corner, saving face is everything. Yeah, 100%. And you will not back down.
0: Nope.
1: I, and it doesn't, it, 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 it's like, again, it's like oxygen. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent of a strong-willed kid, we want to avoid backing them into a corner because that's a lose-lose, right? And the backing starts with the power struggle. Right. I, I want to, it's a, you know, who's going to win this battle. I tell you to go brush your teeth and you tell me, no, and now we're engaged in a power struggle and it stopped being about brushing the teeth mm-hmm. as soon as the power struggle. Now it's about who's going to win. Yep. To give you an example. Right.
0: Hundred. Yep, yep, and
1: so, so why do that? Why not teach your child compromise and negotiation, right? Which looks like, Hey Kate, do you want to brush your teeth now or in five minutes? I mean, what is five minutes gonna matter, right? What matters is that I'm offering you a choice and when you're offered choices, you want to cooperate. So you say five minutes. Now you have plenty of listeners that right now are gonna go, okay, Lisa, but I've tried that and five minutes later when I come back, they tell me five more minutes. All right, so here's how you handle that. You say, hey, Kate, listen, we made a deal. I gave you a choice and you picked five minutes and it's been five minutes. So now we are going- to go and brush our teeth. And then you calmly stand there and give them a little bit of what I call oxygen or breathing space, like a good wine. You let it just open up for a little bit, right? We don't have to be on them all the time, right? And yeah. then you you give them an opportunity to be successful. They autonomy is everything for the strong-willed person. My guess is you love figuring things out by yourself, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I also... I, I guess, and cause you had re- referenced this as well, um, in one of the podcasts I was listening to that we're normally, uh, strong-willed children can be labeled stubborn. Mm. And so I feel like that label has stuck with me. Like I'm stubborn. Um, I want it my way and you know, my way is the better way, you know? And so, um, and I just, you know, and I, and I see that now in the kids and recognizing that okay. Uh, it's okay if the kid can offer a way to do something Mm -hmm. like we can validate that and say, okay, that's a good suggestion. And maybe it's okay. Like, I think that's the thing that parents sometimes don't realize, like, it doesn't have to be your way. If the child offers another suggestion that could work out just fine and everyone's happy and the thing gets done, the teeth are brushed. like, cool, right? Like what's, what's the big deal that it wasn't the way I wanted it to happen. And that's been a big learning process for me now as a parent. Okay, it doesn't actually have to go the way I mm. thought it was gonna go. We, could go. we could do it a different way and the outcome is the same, which is what I've been more focused on. Okay, the outcome is that I want her teeth brushed and we go
1: into bed. So it's okay if it looks a little differently than how I would do it. Amen, sister. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> And, and you just, you know, you just taught the third point, which is compromise and negotiation rather than win-lose. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, win-lose doesn't feel good. And at the end of the day, if I feel connected to you where I have a voice, I'm so much more likely to cooperate. Mm -hmm. Connection leads to cooperation And let me say for the record, I don't label children stubborn. I don't like that word. I don't think, I think what happens is when you're raised in a household where the, where you're labeled as stubborn and win-lose is presented a lot, then you develop an aura or an attitude of Mm win-lose, which equals stubbornness. I prefer to think of strong-willed kids as determined. Yeah. And yeah, you're sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. Willing to put the effort in, mm-hmm. you know, to 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 feel like they're in control because we come back to that. That's what's important. So when you compromise and negotiate with your three year old or your ten year old, not only are you keeping their defenses down, but they're you're helping them feel connected to the family mm-hmm. and to you, and you're giving them a voice that is then going to get the teeth brushed and reach like you said the ultimate goal. Dominant parenting is very much you will not only brush your teeth, but you will brush them my way. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's great. Like this point, I feel is such a great thing for the parents who are listening, who are also struggling in their marriage, because if it is not win, lose in marriage, you're on the same team. It's win, win. How can we help each other win for the betterment of our marriage and our family? And that's where you come in with, um, being able to compromise and, and, and meet in the middle, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever word you want to use. I know my husband doesn't really like using the word compromise, but, um, but just finding that common ground, you know, and figuring that out, like it works in your marriage as well as with your children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's something that can be applied for the whole family so that everyone feels connected. Everyone feels valued and then you you just deepen that relationship much much more.
1: Yes, and I don't I don't know your husband's um, you know, thoughts on the word compromise. I do hear this a lot from dads when it comes to parenting. They fear that compromise, the world is not always available to compromise when it comes to their children, their strong-willed kids. And a lot of parents are are um, they see the word compromise as, you know, when my, when my child is an adult, he may not have a boss that lets him have his way. Compromise to me is sometimes I, I, we do it my way and sometimes we do it your way, but I'm open to us figuring out the best way for both of us. Mm -hmm. And that is important. That is, that is the number one skill a strong-willed child can leave the home with work walking into adulthood. Yeah is, is, is I am open. I can bring my voice to the table. Ultimately, we're going to get the teeth brushed and we're going to figure out how to make it happen where at the end we both feel successful.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the, just the differing, uh, the differentiation, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like to look at compromise from a place that you're not compromising who you are. Mm-hmm. You're not compromising your values or your beliefs or what you stand for, but you are bringing a compromise to the table where both parties' needs are met and the outcome is what the outcome needs needs to be. So that's yeah. that's usually you know I, I think that's just important to recognize that we're we're not saying um, you know, compromising who you are. Yes,
1: you want for for you and your family and your marriage and whatnot. Right. Yeah. In the example we've been talking about, the teeth are going to get brushed. Right. 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 Where it's not like, hey, Kate, do you want to brush your teeth tonight or not? No, mommy, I don't want. to. Okay. Right. We're not. Yeah. yeah to illustrate yeah. your point in a parenting role, the teeth still get brushed. Right. But it doesn't. It doesn't mean that I'm going to walk into a room and say, Kate, go brush your teeth right now, and you're going to jump up and go, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm enjoying you know, a, a, a show on Netflix and it has seven minutes left to go. I'm going to stop that and jump up and go brush my teeth upon command. Right. Right. But, but compromises, Hey, how many more minutes do you have on your show? Seven. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and enjoy that? And when that's done, we'll go upstairs and brush our teeth, right? Right. The teeth still get brushed to your point. It's a fantastic point to make. Right. And that's the essence of, of, you know, what you asked me is, is choices staying away from the power struggles, compromise and negotiation creates that environment where you as the family leader are getting your goals met of the teeth brushed or the, you know, the putting the phone away at night or getting in the car with the water bottle and the, the gym clothes, right. Or whatever you're going towards, it's the approach of how we get there is aiming towards feeling seen, heard and valued. Yeah.
0: This has been such a great conversation. I, uh, Lisa, really thank you so much. There's so much value in, in our, in our conversation and these little nuggets that, you know, parents can take with them and recognizing like where these types of situations are coming up in their, in their home and, and really how to, how to look at the situation a little bit differently so that you can get a different result. Right. And you're not, you know, getting the yelling and the arguing and and, and all the storming. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's important to recognize, like, you know, we're still going to have a bad day, right? Like the kid is still going to have a bad day. We're going to still have a bad day. Like, it's not like it's all going to go away all of a sudden. Uh, but, but to be able to lessen these storms and to say, okay, you know, we as a family are much better connected. We're hearing each other out. We're valuing each other. And, um, you know, I, I like to to say that, you know, marriage and, and parenting really is like one of the best personal development courses you can take, right? Like totally. you just, you really learn so much about yourself and to be able to recognize that and say, it's okay. If I have to work on something, doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean you're broken. Doesn't mean, you know, you're a mess up or, you know, anything like that. It's like, yeah. okay, like I could work on this too. And here's what, I, and I'm going to work on it because I'm going to also show that my children, like this is important. Um, I work on things, you work on things and it's okay to do that. So um, our, I, 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 I think of parenting as, um, you know, our kids are a reflection of us. So if our kids are doing things that we don't like them doing, think about where they're learning that from. That's right. You know, and really like
1: say, okay, so I can work on that too. Yeah, the official mantra over it: the peaceful parent is progress, not perfection. Right. Right. And and it's, yeah, we're all going to have bad days. I mean, there will never be a peaceful parent reality show because, (laughs) you know, I don't get it right all the time and nor do I expect myself to. Right. And it's, it's, it's just moving down the path of, of, of parenting the way you want to parent. And if you don't, if you're not doing that, if you're not the parent you want to be work on it, find tools, resources, you know, listen to Kate and Tanner's podcast, listen to mine, buy a book, take a course. I mean, it's, you would be amazed. And I know, you know, this cause we talked about this small investment of time and, and your effort in parenting can have big impacts in your family. It doesn't take a lot of work to point your family in a new trajectory. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's so important to do because not only, you know, as we say in, in our podcast uh, intro, that it starts in the home, right? And so we are raising these children to go out into society and what kind of communities do we want them to be a part mm-hmm. of? What kind of world do they want to be a part of? And not to say that to be overwhelming, but just to say, hey, this is your job as a parent. You know, help, help these children be grounded, sound, independent and, and to go out and be assets to our, to our yes. society. It's it's, it's our job. It's why we're a parent, you
1: know, and help and your children feel connected, which is to feel seen, heard, and valued. If I believe that if children feel seen, heard, and valued at home, that's a game changer when they get out into the world. Yeah, 100%. I dream of raising a generation of kids that feel connected. The world will look different when all children feel connected at home.
0: And we, as human beings, we are meant to be in community. You know, that's why this, this, this past year has been so challenging. And really, we're going to have, we're going to have years of effects of this that we, we don't even know what's coming down the pike, but some things coming because Mm -hmm. of the effects of, of this past year, um, because we are meant to be connected and with other people and, and in communion with other people. So, um, make that a priority to start that in the home for sure. Oh, Lisa, thank you so mm. much. I love this. We're going to have to like, have you come back, do like a part two or something, but, um, we really just appreciate you being a part of our podcast here and, and sharing your insight with our audience. So thank you so much. And of course, the peacefulparent.com is your website, uh, and your podcast also called Real World
1: Peaceful Parenting. So make sure to subscribe there too. Thank you, Kate. It's been an absolute honor to be with you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. We're committed to building strong marriages to create the foundation for living a fulfilled life, creating a thriving family and conquering the challenges of today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe right now to keep up to date with our weekly episodes.
0: We'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage, discover our content. Join us next time for more real talk on the one relationship.